0: I I, I, was, I emailed them back and forth. It's like, bro, what 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 does it take, you know? And so he's sending me information. He's telling me, man, how about July, August, June, July, August? Saying, well, we'll start praying as a church. I know not everybody can go, but some of you can. You guys can help send some people. You know, I'm thinking, Lord, do I go by myself? Do I take other people? What do I do? <laughs> I don't think it was a coincidence Tuesday morning that I had on my heart to share this a while back to you today. And for what happened that that morning, I'm, I'm like sitting back going, Lord, you blow me away. Stuff like that happens, you know, in our lives. And you're going, okay, Lord, you know, you kind of get scared a little bit. You're going, what do I do with this? And so we as a church need to pray because, you know, when you give your tithes and offerings, we as a church, we try to always tithe 10% of what does come in. You know, everything needs to get taken care of in the building and the salaries and all that stuff. But 10%, at least, always goes out to missions. And we continue to do that. And Agents for Christ, when you're giving, when you're you know, tithing and, and doing stuff like that, that's that's part of your work, too, you know? And I would love to go see it. And uh, again, you're almost wondering, like, man, I wish I would have been there digging the ditches, the toilets, the, the wells, you know? Um, but he tells me there's still a lot of work. These kids are coming every week, over a 1,000 kids every week are coming through. Man, and I'm going, ugh, you know? So be praying. Be praying, whether it's young, old, whether you've never been, whether you've been before. Start praying, people. You know, start, start emailing me, telling me, hey, man, I think God's calling me to this. I don't know. Whatever, you, whatever God wants to start doing here, I want to be involved in it. And if that means we're going this year, we're going this year. I mean, I was running down the hallways. Not oh, Well, running. Yeah. I do run down the hallway sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to Uganda. I'm going to Uganda this year. That's right. I'm going to Uganda. Uh. Calm down a little bit. But you know what? I'm going to Uganda this year whether you go or not. not really. <laughs> No, let's pray. Let's pray for that. But let's pray as we get into it. Father, we do want to just thank you and praise you, Lord, for just, just the way you move, Lord. Um, the way you work does blow us away. And so, Father, we look to you for wisdom, for guidance, for all these things that you have in store for us, Lord God, this year. Lord, even right now, Lord, we're opening up your word. We have short amount of time, Lord God, but help me to get through the things that you want me to share this morning. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you will, turn to Second John this morning. As we continue in our text, we started it last week. We'll finish it this morning. I did have a few of you last week and during the week ask me about the vision for our church for this coming year. Um, if I had one. <laughs> And if I do, why didn't I share it this past week um, at the beginning of the year? And I must say that I am so excited, so excited that this church, my brothers and sisters, my peeps, (laughs) expect their pastor to have a vision. Crunch time. No, it's not crunch time because for the last several months, I've already been praying, Lord, what do you want to do with us? If this is part of it, I want to be a part of it, Lord. If you're stretching us, if you're moving us, if you're doing whatever you want to do, I want to be able to convey that to my brothers and sisters. So I am so stoked that you guys are expecting me to have a vision for our church because I do. And I will be sharing that in the next couple weeks. Um, Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. In the uh, New King James, it says, Where. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. And so for the last several months, I've been on my face seeking the Lord, asking God for direction, and uh, he has been confirming things in my heart through prayer, through his word, through the people that I I get to surround myself with. And so two weeks from today on the 25th of January between 2nd or 3rd John and Jude, I will share what the Lord has been laying on my heart, what I believe that the Lord is doing and wants to do in our church for this year. So pray for me. Pray that it, it, I can convey it to you and you can get, grab it. And so 2 John, let's read the whole chapter. It says, The elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and which will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found many of your children walking in truth, as we uh, Received commandment from the Father, and now I plead with you, lady, not as though I write a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that we that as you have heard from the beginning you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink. But I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Last week, as we started this short letter, the Apostle John was encouraging the church and the people that are within the church that, they, that all they do, everything that they have to deal with, everything... In life, as a believer, as a a Christian, as a born-again Christian, everything that we have to do in our dealings with God and, and in our dealings with one another, we are to do everything in love and truth. And even though that was the title of last week's message, it permeates throughout this whole message as well, because this whole book has to do with loving each other in, in or 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 it has everything to do with love and truth, or truth and love. Um, they were not to compromise one or the other for the sake of the other. In other words, they were not to compromise one for the other. A balance of the two was and is essential, as it was back then, as it is today. It is essential, it is vital in the life of the believer. Love and truth go together all the time. And they will always, always go together. And that's why we need to have a balance of truth and love. We need to have that kind of balance because they are inseparable in the life of the believer. They cannot, well, they do not work independently of each other. They work perfectly They're like Siamese twins. They are joined at the hip. When we are walking in truth and love, when it is flowing together on a continuous basis in the life of the believer, the chances of being led away or misled or deceived from the truth are minimal. And I could guarantee you that. When you are being led away, when you are doing your own thing, you are lacking in truth and love. I could guarantee you that in your life right now. Because when they're, when they're flowing in your life, when it is working properly in your life because you are in the Word and you're in fellowship and you're doing the things that are pleasing in His sight, the chances are that you will walk straight and grow. I could guarantee you that, man. There's going to be a, lot of, a lot of guaranteeing going on right now but i feel so strong about that as i've been studying this book and as we've been studying first john when we are doing those things that are pleasing in his sight doing his commandments you will not waver you will continue to move forward and so he says in verse 7 He's warning, he's throwing this out because he says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. And so this warning that John the apostle is giving to his readers here is truth and love needs to continue because it plays an important role role in the life of of the believer it is so important so vital just as important as truth and love are or is within the church in edifying in exhorting in comforting one another it is just as important in dealing with those outside the church And I would say it is just as important when you have to deal or in dealing with those who actively want to deceive in the church and draw people away. You need truth and love because, guys, we do not and we cannot check truth and love at the door when we leave this building when we're around other believers. Because we can act in truth and love with one another. It's like, ah, you know, let's just sing Kumbaya all day long. You know, victory, you know, all that stuff. You know, let's just encourage and exhort and, and, and do those things. But when we have to go out into the world, truth and love does not get checked out here and left here. It goes with you in every situation that you face in the life of the believer. Even if the world doesn't play by, by the rules of the, of the Bible, you do. Truth and love applies to you every single day. Because truth and love extends as far out there as truth and love extends with God. And that is to the whole world. You see, we see this in the life of Jesus. Everywhere he went. When he met with the common people, the people that were in need, there was truth and love. When when, when he's dealing with the religious leaders who were coming against him and wanting to kill him, he still dealt with them in truth and love, even though he had to deal harshly with them. Even though he had to call them hypocrites and snakes. He wasn't being mean, he was being truthful. And it was a love for, for God and for the people because of the injustices that were going on. And he had compassion for them too, because if they would have turned, he would have received them, and many did. And so truth and love is not just for within the church, it's for outside the church as well when we're having to deal with people that are, 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 are trying to bring others down. Because we see truth and love even as Jesus is being crucified. When he, when he looks at them as they have crucified Him and He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That speaks volumes, man. That speaks volumes because I was thinking about that even with Stephen Because he took that example from Jesus when he is being stoned by the religious leaders. He says, Lord, don't hold this into their account. Don't hold that sin against their account as they're stoning him. You see, he was speaking truth and love to them as he was sharing with them. And it cost him his life, but he didn't waver in truth and love. He didn't like, I better not say what I want to say. No. I'm sure he loved the people as he's praying for them. And so truth and love does not get checked at at the door so that we can go out there and now be mean and rude and, and ugly with other people that don't know Jesus. You see, in 1 Corinthians 13, a lot of you guys know this part, verses 4 through part of 8, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You see, this is vital. You know, we we, we love to have that kind of a scripture kind of hanging on our wall or whatever. It's like, ah, the love chapter. You know, let's share at a wedding. No, it's every day. We don't check that and say that's only for, it's like, no, this is for you and I every day. That no matter what is going on in our lives, the conditions or the circumstances or the consequences, whatever it is, we are to live as Christians in truth and love all the time. And so as believers, we are never given the permission to act outside the bonds of truth and love. We never see that in the life of Jesus. Never. Under any circumstances do we see that in the life of Jesus, under any conditions. You know what was kind of going through my mind? How about when? Because I'm thinking, you guys are probably asking these same questions, and you guys are probably hit me up afterwards like, hey, when Jesus got in the temple and he overturned the money tables and stuff like that, and he had a whip and stuff like that, and it's like, yeah, he was pretty upset. Yeah, he, he, was, he was indignant for what the people were, what was happening to the common people, but he didn't act out of anger, out of control. He was much in control. But there was injustices going on. And he was going to deal with it in truth and in love for the people, for God, for the place where they were at. But he dealt with the people because oftentimes, you know, we think of oh, truth and love. Let me just be a little sissy here. You know, I can never raise my voice. It's like, no, you can speak truth and love when you have to be stern. When you have to deal with stuff that's going on in the world, you can always deal with truth and love, Always. Because we see that in the life of Jesus. We see that through his, his disciples and his apostles. And when we, we see them messing up, God convicts them of that. When, 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 when Paul, he lashes out at, at, the, at, at the high priest and he gets slapped in the face. And he apologizes. He's out of line. You know, and stuff like that. You know, you're going, yeah, but these aren't those guys. It's like, no, this is you as well. Because we're never given the permission to act outside the bonds of truth and love. Now, the reason for this kind of warning, I'm going to have to talk even faster. The reason for this kind of warning that, that, that John is giving the church here is because in the time of this writing, there were many traveling philosophers and traveling religious leaders and, prof, and, and, and uh, teachers and stuff like that that were going out and about. And they were staying in people's houses on a regular basis in their travels. And within the church even, those who were going out, it was no different. Christians were opening up their homes to traveling brothers and sisters because it was safer for them to stay with fellow Christians than it was for them to stay out and about or in the inn or something like that. And there was never any room in the inn. (laughs) But be that as it may hospitality was a huge, huge thing back in the day, as it should be today in that sense. But John didn't want his readers to compromise truth and love in the name of hospitality, because he says many deceivers have gone out there, and you have to deal with that. But it doesn't mean that you have to compromise any truth or any love in dealing harshly with those who may want to come and stay with you. And so, he says this, that the believer was to be careful who he was going to entertain and let stay in his home. And we'll touch on that in verses 10 and 11. But in the Amplified, this first verse that we're looking at, verse 7, it says, "For in the Amplified, it reads like this, For many imposters, seducers, deceivers, and false teachers have gone out into the world. Men... Who will not acknowledge, confess, admit the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, in bodily form. Such a one is, a, is the imposter, the seducer, the deceiver, the false leader, leader, the antagonist of Christ, and the Antichrist. These deceivers were not walking in truth and love. No, they were walking in error and deceit. Because it's not like they did not know what the truth was. They had infiltrated the church. They had come into the church. But they had gone out to deceive in error other people. Because they were diminishing, lessening who Jesus was. Again, we had talked about this back in 1 John, that John was dealing with the Gnostics and he was dealing with the Cerinthians uh, and the the, 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 sentient, the Celtics, that, that that had these different views about who Jesus was and they were lessening who he was, that he was not God come in the flesh. And so he's still dealing with that in this. And so this, like I shared earlier, does not, even though there's people that are out there that are wanting to come against the truth, against love, it does not open the door for the believer to be mean, rude, disrespectful, hurtful to even these types of people. Not at all. On the contrary. Truth and love are to be our motivation, motivating factor Even when we have to be stern with deceivers, with those who have the mindset who are bent on coming against the the true gospel of Jesus Christ. When we have to stand up for injustice, when we have to uh, confront evil in our life, we are still to be motivated by the truth of the gospel and the love of God all the time. Jesus, once again, being our example of all of that. If you go back a few pages in 1 John chapter, chapter 4, I shared this a few, few weeks ago, months ago, however long it's been, when he talks about those who do not confess. Or how to know the Spirit. In verse 2 of chapter 4 of 1 John, he says, Now by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the Spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So he shares with us, John had shared with them, but he's sharing with us that this is the quick, the fast, the easy way to, to know the Spirit of God, it, 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 those who come, because I think that the title of that time was Test Every Spirit or something to that effect. But that, that this is the way we know if, if, if somebody is of God or not. It's, it's not any more complicated than who do they say Jesus Christ is. It, it boils down to the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the bottom line. That's where, where it all stems from. Because Jesus is the template, the pattern, the model by which everything and anything is measured to. And it has to do with his incarnation. Now, even though the word incarnation is never mentioned in the Bible, it is the doctrine, the teachings that will prove whether someone is of God or not. Bottom line, the very essence of this doctrine, of the doctrine of incarnation, is that God came in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what John was battling and continuing to battle against, against the Gnostics that were in that area. And he continues to do this in 2 John. If you confess, agree with, speak the same thing as, and acknowledge that God has come in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 in first, uh, first John chapter 4, by this you know the Spirit of God if there is any variance, any disagreement, any inconsistency in that doctrine, in that sense, in any matter, way, matter, or form, they do not have the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of Antichrist. And it is no more complicated than that. There are those who will come to your door who you will come across. And they will even say that they confess Jesus Christ. And that they they will, for the most part, say everything that a Christian should say. And they're standing right there at your door and they're telling you this. And most of them truly believe it. But they will always stop, always stop short of confessing that Jesus is God come in the flesh. Always. Always. And when they do, they are false. They're not of God. Any Jehovah Witness that comes to your your door, I mean, you don't even have to entertain and go into all all the minutia that they can go through. Just ask them, hey, is Jesus Jehovah to you? Is that what you teach? And if they say no, got to go. Because they will always stop short of that. Mormon's the same thing. And so they will always stop short of that. It is because they do not abide in the doctrine of Christ, in the doctrine of incarnation. And in that, they deny the truth. You see, this is where it can become a little complicated, not on the part of the person at the door, not on the part of the deceiver, but on the part of the believer who doesn't know or understand the truth and love. They don't understand what the true truth of the gospel is, nor do they understand the love of God. Because they have not been continually walking and and having this balance in truth and love. They're not confused. They're not confused. It's the person that's at the door thinking, oh, they sound like a Christian. Well, whatever. It's like, no, it's not whatever. They're coming to your door. And you don't have, you, you, it, like we, we're going to see, don't entertain them. You don't have to entertain them. You can be stern in love and truth. Take note that John is not calling the deceiver an antichrist. He is referring, uh, or not calling them the deceiver or the antichrist. He's he's talking about these false teachers who have a mindset or the spirit of antichrist. They themselves are not the antichrist. So don't go off on that. Looking at verses eight and nine really quick, it says, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine, of christ does not have god he who abides in the doctrine of christ has both the father and the son if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine oh i messed up uh verses eight and nine. Oh well never mind let's just move on <laughs> i'm not going to go back and read it he just got in verse eight he does say look to yourselves in other words take heed watch out be on guard Because the slightest compromise of truth and love can bring devastating results, spiritually speaking, on your part. He says, You need to watch out. You need to be on guard. You're the one that needs to be doing your homework when deceivers are coming to you. You need to be on guard. You need to understand what is out there. Now, he's not talking because he says, look to yourselves that you don't lose the things that you've worked for. He's not saying, he's not talking about salvation here because you don't work for your salvation. It's given by grace anyways. But all the things that you have worked for, and he is referred, he's also making reference to the rewards that we will receive at the judgment seat of Christ. I understand that as we're looking at that. But just like Paul was concerned with the Galatians when he said to them, In Galatians chapter 4, verse 11, I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. All the work that I put in, and you go back, or you're not growing, you're not doing anything. Man, my heart hurts for you, I'm afraid for you, because deceivers will come in and you'll fall for a hook, line, and sinker. Now, if I, your pastor, if I stopped walking in truth and in love, And began to allow myself to be deceived, thinking that it's okay for me not to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If I thought it was okay to just go backwards or even stand still in my Christian walk and not grow. Wouldn't all the work that I've kind of put into growing and maturing in Christ, growing in the grace and knowledge of of the Lord, wouldn't that all kind of be in vain now? It's like, what a waste of life. Because I just got tired. Or God didn't do what I wanted Him to do at the time that I wanted Him to do. You know what, God? I'm done with you. I'm not going to lose my salvation. I'll still be in heaven. Probably a little sourpuss about it. Whatever. But you see, all those full rewards that I would have received, I won't receive. Not that I'm in it for the rewards, but but then again, all the blessings that I would be receiving as I grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know what? I'm not going to receive those either. And maybe that's where some of us are today. That we're going backwards instead of forward in our Christian walk. And we're deceiving ourselves. The deceiver's not even doing much. We're deceiving ourselves. That's why he says, hey, look to yourselves here. Satan's probably just kicking it, saying, what a fool. I don't even have to work hard on this cat. He's doing all the work because he stopped growing. He stopped walking in the truth and in, in, in love. And when we stop walking, we, you, know, you don't stand still for a long time. You start going back, always. It's an uphill battle. I, I don't think also that this warning to be on guard is just for the sake of the individual believer, but also for the testimony that that believer has built to those who he influences. Not that anybody would lose their salvation if I decided not to walk with God anymore and just kind of like, you know what, I'm just I'm just not gonna work hard. But I know that that would disappoint a lot of you. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I told us all those corny jokes at least. <laughs> nah. It would affect other people. You see, it affects other people when you decide, you know what, I'm just going to skate through this life. It affects other people. It affects your family. It does not just affect you because you decide, oh, I just don't want to grow. I don't want to read anymore. I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to, I don't want I don't want It's like, it affects people in your life. What we do or don't do should not be so much to get the rewards in heaven. But what we do and don't do automatically affects or reflects those rewards in heaven. And rewards should not be our motivation for continuing to walk in truth and love. It is obedience to the Lord. Keeping His commandments and doing those things that are pleasing in His sight should be our motivation for continuing. And so this warning here, was not only to be on guard, but don't go backwards. Don't even stand still. It's also, and don't transgress. The word transgress means running too far ahead or going beyond the assigned limits. The, the, the word transgress literally means seeing the line that is drawn and then crossing it anyways. That's what it means to transgress. We, become, we, 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 we fall into sin when we do that because God says, don't pass that line. You're going, what line? That line? You mean that one? I know that John is referring to the deceivers in this verse in that sense who, who knew the line, knew where the line was and they crossed it anyways. They had come into the church, they heard the truth and they went ahead and turned aside from what they were told in the word of God. And and 1 John 2.19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. You see, there's people that infiltrate the church on purpose. To draw people away. To discount the truth. Now, even though John is referring... To the deceiver, it's not to say that believers cannot transgress. They may not be in the same category as those who are not abiding in the doctrine of Christ as deceivers, but they are living their lives as though they did not abide in the doctrine of Christ, and they deceive themselves. Those who abide in the doctrine of Christ have both the Father and the Son, and this speaks of, of, of what it means to understand, to abide. And that word abide means to continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand, tarry. And it all adds up to continuing to walk in truth and love because that is what comes from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son. In John 14, 21 to 23, it says, He who has my commandments, Jesus speaking, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will be, you will Manifest yourself to us and not to the world. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he and we will come, in, uh, come to him and make our home in him or with him. That's what it means to abide. That you're not only abiding in Christ, in God, but he is also abiding in you. And so you have the truth of the gospel. You have the love of God dwelling in you. That's what it means to abide. Those who do not are not abiding. Verses 10 and 11. Now I'll read this one. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. This is a hardcore verse here in one sense. <laughs> and it goes back to what I shared with you in the beginning that or towards the beginning. It has to do with those who were traveling preachers that were representing the church per se. <laughs> the pseudo church, I would say. They were out with their own agenda. These that the apostle is referring to are not bringing the gospel or not bringing the doctrine of Christ with them. They are false teachers. That is who he is referring to. The believers that he is writing to were not to receive them into their house. Again, hospitality was huge. And people would oftentimes or could, in the name of love, compromise the truth and allow people to stay in that were false teachers. And in doing so, they were kind of endorsing this person. And you're going, oh, I'm really not endorsing, but gosh, they didn't have a place to stay. It's like, no, don't receive them into your house because you don't want to be associated because they can go out and say, well, oh, uh, Jim Anderson, he he let me stay in his house. So we're okay. And Jim's going, but, 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 but. (laughs) Sorry, Jim. That's why he's saying, don't, 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 be, don't associate with, with that. Because they, they will turn it around. They're already deceivers. They will deceive others and say, no, he's okay with it. You should be okay with it too. He's saying, no, don't, 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 don't let them in. Don't, don't entertain them. Now understand that, again, he's talking about those who were coming into the believer's house in order to share false doctrine. They were coming for that very purpose. They had an agenda. He's saying don't tolerate Him. Again, we are not to compromise truth and love to be tolerant of false teachers like that or their doctrine. Now, what He is not saying is that you can never have an unbeliever in your house or a family member who may be you know, from a different religion. He's not saying that. Because some of you are going, sweet man, I could tell my family, <laughs> get out, get out, stay out. Again, man, he's not saying be rude, be hurtful, be mean. <laughs> and, and it's not that some that you might invite into your house because you want to have them over for dinner and maybe share the love of God with them and truth. It's not that they might not have a hidden agenda themselves, but you will deal with it as it comes. But he is talking about those who purposely have this, not a hidden agenda, for the most part it's out there. And I know that some people will even take this verse and say, you you shouldn't even say God bless you to people who sneeze around you. Because you're sharing in their evil. It's like, I think you've taken that one a little too far. Or you shouldn't say, God bless you, to somebody. I'll I'll be honest with you. I use those words very sparingly outside the world. I do. (laughs) That's just who I am, though. doesn't mean that I I won't say that to people, but I'm very even careful about all all of that. Not because it's like, oh, I'm so legalistic. Look, you're going to be sharing in their evil deeds. It's like, I have no clue who they are. But when they come to my house... Not too many times nowadays do I fight them at my doorstep. I just go for the jugular. (laughs) Is Jesus God? And if they say no, it's like, done. They will not get a God bless you from me, an endorsement in any way. He's talking about those who who come to divert, sidetrack, and turn people from the truth. That's what he's talking about here. That word share means fellowship. We've covered that term. It is an intimate kind of word. And we are not to give off the appearance that we agree with them. We are not to compromise the truth in the name of tolerance and hospitality, or hospitality. And he finishes off these verses, or this book, having many things to write to you. I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak to you, or speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of our elect sister greets you. Amen. It kind of almost seems that uh, John was not a big fan of social media because he finishes off the next letter the same way. He seemed to, to like to, be, to have more of the personal touch with people, not with pen and ink. He preferred to be with them face-to-face. It's kind of like my Facebook here. This is my Facebook. <laughs> I'd rather see you face to face. He probably wouldn't like to text and do a lot of that. No, he wanted his joy to be full and he wanted to be there in person with one another. And so as I finish, <laughs> give you a few little hashtags. Hashtag not a fan. That's who John. Hashtag face to face. Hashtag electsister. Hashtag amen. Hashtag let's pray. (laughs) Father in heaven, thank you so much for this warning. For this encouragement as well, Lord. That challenges us once again to look to you, Father. To continue to look to you. That we may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because many have gone out into the world. And they are out there to deceive the church. Father, they're going after the church. (laughs) Who know the truth and are to walk in love. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would just continue to give them strength. That you would continue to give them wisdom and understanding to know the truth and to walk in love. Father, go with them now, I pray. Be a strength to them. Challenge them even through this message, Lord, to draw closer to you, that they would not be satisfied where they're at, but to grow in grace and knowledge. Blessed be your name, for you are good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.